Welcome back to Twigs on the Rocks. I'm Leo Blotner, this is Abe Lovich, and in this episode, we will be going over the new standings, our hot and cold team of the week, and our question of the week, but the question of the week will be a little longer than normal, considering we are going to do a little look back at some of the trades that happened over the trade deadline. Abe, would you like to get us started with the news? Yeah, like usual, I'll get started with a bit of injuries. Um, Columbus's Gustav Nyquist is out for the rest of the season, and considering Columbus already sort of sold out, it's not that bad for Columbus, but hopefully Nyquist will get better soon. Sucks to go through an injury like that. Yeah. Other uh, injury news, Kyle Pozo out for the season and Jack Eichel out for the season. Two Buffalo Sabres that are out. Uh, we're going to see a trend with players that are out for the season, um, right? Like if, if there's a possibility they can come back towards the end, but they know they're not making the playoffs with the team, they might as well just shut them down. Let him recover. Let him be better for next season. Obviously, Eichel, a way bigger piece than Kyle Pozo, but Buffalo isn't making the playoffs. They're just, um, they're statistically eliminated from the playoffs uh, already, actually. So that makes it ten years in a row. Uh, yeah, Buffalo's having a horrible season, uh, but yeah, you know they they do got some bright spots in Andrews Bjork. But besides that, we will get into that later. Yeah, and also two key elements on the Dallas Stars are also out officially for the rest of the year they've been out for a little while ben bishop and alexander radilov they've been out for basically the whole year but they were officially confirmed about less than a week ago that they won't be coming back especially since dallas's poor performance this regular season and also pavel francois who's also been like out for most of the year is fully confirmed not to be coming back for the rest of the season with his injury yeah luckily for um for colorado they did go and trade for uh, Devin Dubnik. So, you know, they're kind of locking in that backup goalie position. They tried some other stuff, like Jonas Johansson. Uh, but, yeah, that didn't really work out. And so, yeah, you know, they knew Francois would be out for a little bit. But they, they might not have known this for the whole season. Luckily, they do have a plethora of backup goalies on their team. In some extension news, we got Ilya Libushkin signed a one-year extension with the Coyotes worth $1.35 million. Uh, nice, nice little extension, nice little, nice little piece for them. Getting another crack at it for another year. Yeah. Also, the Coyotes do need to push. So hopefully, with a little bit of a, an extension, he'll go a little bit harder. And also, Adam Lowry signed a five-year, three-point-two-five mil per year extension with Winnipeg. And similar to Arizona's position, Winnipeg is a front runner for their. Well, not so similar to Arizona, but they're a, a front runner in their division but they're not officially in it yet. So they really need to get that little final push and hopefully Lowry can be a big piece of that. Yeah. And uh, Joel Hanley signed a two-year extension where 750K, another another nice little depth piece, you know, I think it'll be good. Yeah, that's a good move. And also Connor Sherry signed a two-year 1.5 mil extension with the Capitals. Capitals have been looking good this year, but they went through a little bit of a rough patch against Boston last night, so... Yeah, uh, they, they lost 6-3, but they did beat them 8-1 earlier, so we'll That's see. That's true. I really yeah. want to see, yeah, I really want to see a Boston-Washington uh, playoff series. Uh, Washington keeps going for Boston's heads, and uh, yeah, you know, I got some strong words for uh, Washington. Uh, might not be too PC, so I won't say it. Yeah, they were not playing very uh, sportsman-like last game, and they went for some group they tried to injure some players it was not a pretty sight yeah garnet hathaway got a game misconduct after uh 
boarding Jared Tenorti. Uh, Corrali went down to a Tom Wilson hit. That was like, eh, he was already kind of falling, but Wilson didn't have to hit him. So it was like, eh, I guess you can make the argument either way. And yeah, just a lot of not great hits from Washington. Yeah, and this has been a trend for Boston players against Washington lately. I think Boston and Washington, they're, they're getting a little bit too chirpy. But yeah, yeah, not even lately, too. It was really when Brandon Carlo got boarded and was out for a while. Yeah, that's what I mean. I was like the start of this because yeah. that was that was a big hit on Boston's defense. And that was like the start to like a bunch of Boston's defensemen be, be coming out and then losing a good games, including that 8-1 loss against Washington. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. yeah. Uh, I mean, fair, okay, that 8-1 loss, they didn't have their two starting goalies. or their number one, number two, their starting backup. And they also did not have their top four defensemen. Yeah, that's that's true. But um, their their replacement goalies have been quite excellent lately, especially with Jeremy Swayman and Dan Vladar. Um, I really I've been really liking Swagman's performance personally. I think he's been playing better than Vladar. Which do you think is better right now? Uh, yeah, I would agree. I'm also going Swayman. Uh, Vladar, he played like I mean, he got the first start out of the two of them. He played well, but then it's not like Vladar played poorly. Just Swayman's played really well, and that's why Swayman's getting like majority of the starts um when they need a backup goalie over Vladar yeah I don't think Vladar like us let him over five goals except for the game against the Capitals and once against Pittsburgh but Boston won because they scored seven goals so but it's a good sidetrack but let's move on to our standing slash playoff section here where let's start off with the West division we got Colorado spearheading. Actually, they're tied with Vegas, but they got a game in hand, each with 64 points in first and second, respectively. Then Minnesota Wild is in third with 57 points. Oh, Arizona Coyotes in fourth place, 45 points with a 500 ready and with a 2025. Will they stick it? Let's see. And then also St. Louis in continuing their little bit of a fall. They got 44 points there in fifth. And San Jose, not looking good after they had a bit of spurt of hope. They got 40 points in sixth place. And then the Kings, who were, they were better earlier this season, and now they just dipped uh, with 38 points in seventh, and Anaheim with 35. Uh, Yeah, in this division, we got the three locks, Colorado, Vegas, and Minnesota. Because for, I mean, Minnesota's 12 points ahead of first, or fourth place, sorry. And um, they still have two games in hand. Is ridiculous. Really, I think it would just be a dogfight between Arizona and St. Louis. Maybe San Jose, but I mean, they're going to have to be really hot towards the end of the year. I don't think it'll happen. And actually, I mean, actually, LA, you know, maybe, but it's, I mean, San Jose and LA are pretty much out. It's going to be a dogfight for fourth place between Arizona and St. Louis just to get whooped in the first round by Colorado or Vegas. But yeah, I mean, Minnesota, if you told me in the beginning of the year that they'd be third. Arizona would be fourth, and then St. Louis would be fifth. I would not believe you. But, yeah, I mean, I'm really excited to watch how this division plays out and who makes the playoffs. Yeah, I think at at this point, if you asked me a week ago, I would have said that San Jose stood a chance. Now I don't see them doing it. They're on like a six-game losing or five-game losing streak right now. It's getting ugly for them. But then also Arizona has been – they're not playing bad. They got a 500 rating. It's not terrible, but – St. Louis is in fifth because they have one less point, but they also have two games in hand over in Arizona. But the LA Kings have three games in hand over Arizona, and they are down by uh, seven points. So it's not as big of a dip. 
but they definitely are playing worse than they played earlier. Yeah, I agree. I'm just, I mean, yeah, it's going to be really interesting to watch out or to watch how this plays out. We've seen some teams fall, some teams rise. So, yeah, I'm pretty excited to watch that in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, it's not moving that close. On, yeah. Moving on, we got the Central Division. First place, we got Carolina with 62 points. Second place, we got Florida with 61. Third place, we got Tampa, actually, with 40. And then fourth place, we got – sorry, with 60. Fourth place, we got Nashville with 49. Fifth place, we got Chicago with 47. Sixth, we got Dallas with 46. Seventh place, we got Columbus with 39. And eighth, we got Detroit with 38. Uh, here, I mean, Tampa, they're in third. But, I mean, Stan Coast has just put on long-term IR. They haven't had Kucherov all year. And so once that once that once the playoffs come, I still think they'll come out of this division. I mean, Carolina, they can still be in first place. I mean, Carolina, Florida, and Tampa all have a great shot at being in first place. Right now, obviously, Carolina, uh, they are in first place. They also have one game in hand on Tampa and two games in hand on Florida. So yeah, I mean, right now they have the highest point percentage in that division. Although I still think Tampa is going to come out of this division no matter what. And then for fourth place, again, another dogfight is a, is a trend. Uh, this time it's between Nashville, Chicago, and Dallas. Dallas has been playing really well recently, actually. So, yeah, I mean, Dallas got three games in hand on Nashville and two games in hand on Chicago. Actually has a higher point percentage than both of them. So, excited to see how it plays out. Yeah, and then can't forget about seventh and eighth place, even though they're basically both out of the playoffs. It's just Columbus and Detroit. Um, but I would definitely say that the first three teams here are Locke, Carolina, Florida, and Tampa. And I think it's it's not that like Tampa's playing worse that that is the reason they're in third place, only two points behind. I would say the reason that they're in third place in this division as of right now is because of how good Carolina's been playing. It's not Tampa playing bad. Yes, they've sustained a few injuries, but they're still a great team. It's really just Carolina who's been going on a wrecking streak, breaking this division. Yeah, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Florida, Tampa, Carolina, all playing great, especially Florida and Tampa, both playing really well. Carolina has been playing even better. So yeah. That's why they're in first. Yep. And let's move on to the East Division, which it's looking pretty entertaining right now. First place right now, it's Washington Capitals with 62 points. And then the New York Islanders with 60 points, but the Islanders have a game in hand. Pittsburgh has as many games played as the Islanders. They got 59 points. Then Boston with 56 points, but they got three games in hand on Washington, two games in hand on Pittsburgh and the Islanders. And so then, like, right after that playoff mark, you got the Rangers, who are fighting hard to get in right now. Yes, they played the Devils four times, but they are playing um, – they've been playing amazing lately. They got 52 points in the fifth spot. And then after that, it's just a little whatever. Philly, New Jersey, and Buffalo all – pretty much closer to out than in buffalo has been mathematically erased but new jersey and philly have like zero point whatever chance of making at this point yeah i mean we got the top three actually like no honestly like okay the top i mean this division actually five teams could really make the playoffs um and really they could be any seed the rangers it's possible they could be the one seed it's not likely boston could somehow be the one seed Pittsburgh could be the one seed, New York Islanders could be the one seed, and Washington could be the one seed. So, honestly, I mean, five really good teams here. Honestly, six with Philly, but they've just been really underperforming lately. Just keep losing, and they had a great shot at making the playoffs last week, and they kind of went on a huge skid. Although the Rangers have gone 5-0-1 in their last six and have jumped the standings a lot. And now, right now, they're only four points out of the playoffs, but Boston does have two games in hand on them. 
So they're kind of like four to eight points out of the playoffs. Although if like, I guess four to seven with like Pittsburgh, but still, you know, um, it's honestly a very interesting division because I'm a huge Bruins fan. And when like the Islanders play the Rangers, I don't know who to root for because like on one hand, it makes it a little easier for the Bruins to get in the playoffs. But on the other hand, I want the Bruins to get a higher seed. So it's like, I don't know. But the worst part is watching them go into overtime. So I feel like every single game, the Bruins need to not go to overtime, goes to overtime. So, yeah. Last also, time. Literally, I'm, so, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Go I ahead. Kind of set up. One ahead. interesting point that I had was last week, I think the rain, or I guess two weeks ago, the Rangers and no, it was like a week and a half. The Rangers and Flyers had the exact same, uh, the exact same like wins, losses, and overtime losses. But the differential between them, it was like plus twenty four for the Rangers and minus twenty two for the Flyers. And I just thought it was crazy, or maybe it was minus twenty four and plus twenty two. Either way, I just thought the difference was forty six, and I thought that was crazy, just because they had the exact same record. Yeah. And speaking of that differences there, the Rangers actually have the highest goal differential in this division, and yet they're in fifth place. So they have a high of 33, and then second is Pittsburgh with 26, then Washington and, and the Islanders with 22, Boston with 15, then everyone else is in deep negatives. So, um, but Leo, I have a question for you. Like, this race is pretty tight between these five teams. They're all great teams. A good team is not going to make the playoff. That definitely deserves it. But which, which four do you think are going to make it from, like, two or three weeks from now? Um, going Washington, you know, in first place, Islanders. I mean, they're on a little, uh, yeah, I'm going go with Islanders. Pittsburgh, I'm actually have to drop out and I'm going Boston and New York because actually, no, actually, mm, no, actually, I'll just have the top four that are in right now. I'm being honest, Washington, New York, Pittsburgh, and Boston because New York is like four to eight points behind the Bruins, seven points behind Pittsburgh. And there's only what there's 11 games left for New York. And yeah, I mean, is it likely that they'll catch up? No. Is it possible? Yes. But Boston has a relatively easy schedule coming up playing Buffalo uh, their next three times, actually. And yeah, I just can't see Pittsburgh, New York or Washington all kind of collapsing towards the end of the season. So I'm going to go with those four, but I'm actually going to have Boston end up being the second seed. Because right now they're four points behind New York, but they have two games in hand and they have Boston has a relatively easy schedule uh, going forwards. Yeah. Personally, I think the trade deadline heavily influenced my, my decision here because I think I still have Washington on top. I think before the season, I had them coming in like seventh or eighth dipping, but definitely proved me extremely wrong because that was a risk then. Did not pay off, but. Then I think I'm actually going to take Pittsburgh out of the equation here because out of all five of these teams, Pittsburgh, I think, did the worst at the trade deadline. But I guess they still have a lot of key pieces that they have, but I feel like with the amount of goals Zabenejad, Panarin have been scoring, it's been insane. They've been boosting up their goal differential. And also Adam Fox is a Calder candidate. Or no, sorry, Norris candidate. Sorry, I misspoke. And then, so continuing with how good Rangers have been playing Boston's on a win streak, Islanders and Washington are just so are a bit farther ahead. I see Pittsburgh falling out and then boss actually taking the uh, second seed Islanders, third seed Rangers at fourth seed. That's what I was. That's what I think is going to happen, but playoffs get dicey. That's true. I mean, yeah. Um, I think no, cause I think Pittsburgh would, they have Crosby and Malkin and like Malkin when he's healthy, like they got great leadership, obviously. And like Latang, they won a ton of cups. 
They know what it takes to have that little end-of-the-year push just to make the playoffs. Rangers are more of a younger team for sure. In the next couple years, Rangers could definitely win. I guess it would be the Metro division. But, yeah, I mean, the Rangers are a scary good team now. And in the future, when Capocacco, Lafreniere, all their young players are actually, like, developed, they're going to be really, really good. But I still have them missing out on the playoffs just this year, you know. Yeah, like, I definitely see your reasoning. But I think as a Bruins fan, I think the teams that could beat Boston in the playoffs would probably be the Rangers. I could see the Rangers beating Boston probably as much as I could see Washington beating Boston, but I don't really see the Islanders or Pittsburgh doing it. Even though the Islanders played great against Boston earlier this year, but now they just whooped them twice. So, Yeah. All right. Uh, We're going to move on to the North Division. First place, we got Toronto with 61 points. Second place, we got Winnipeg with 57. Third place, we got Edmonton with 54. Fourth place, we got Montreal with 47. Fifth place, we got Calgary with 41. Sixth place, we got Vancouver with 37. And seventh place, we got Ottawa with 34. Um, this division is actually not that interesting. Um, I think, I mean, Toronto, they're going to make the playoffs. Winnipeg, they're going to make the playoffs. Edmonton, they're going to make the playoffs. Um, Montreal, they're six points in a playoff spot, but have two games in hand. And yeah, I, I think I think that'll be the exact or actually I think Edmonton might take over the second seed. Winnipeg might be third, but like, yeah, just no real big changes. Although Vancouver did come back yesterday and beat Toronto, they were down 2-0, came back and won. So good for Vancouver. Yeah, I don't really see anything here whatsoever except for Van- that little Vancouver story there. I think. I think that the standings won't even change. Maybe Vancouver might take over past Calgary, but considering how well Vancouver played coming off of that break, that gives me like a little bit of hope for them. Like I could see them beating Montreal, but like that's like a 20% chance in my head right now out of like everyone else is a lock because they just mathematically they could, but I don't think it really depends on who they play in the coming weeks. Yeah, also, that's true. I kind of want, even though I really don't like Montreal, I kind of want them to make the playoffs because I would love to see a Montreal-Toronto uh, series, uh, Toronto being the one seed, Montreal being the four seed. So I think that'd be very, very cool because Montreal and Toronto hate each other. Yeah, and I would love to see a Montreal-Boston Cup. It's, I doubt that's going to happen, but something I want to see. Yeah, or even a Toronto-Boston Cup, I think that'd be really interesting. Actually, no, by far the best playoff matchups would be if Calgary could somehow play Edmonton and then Montreal <laughs> could somehow play Toronto. Uh, I mean, Calgary's probably not going to end up playing Edmonton, but we'll see. I doubt that, but maybe it's yeah. mathematically possible. It's true. Right, so we're going to yeah. move on to our hot and cold team of the week. Uh. I'll, should I start? I'll, I'll start. I'll yeah, start. Go ahead. Right, we got Vegas. My, my hot team, we got the Vegas Golden Knights. They won six in a row. Yes, against all mediocre to pretty bad teams, including Anaheim, LA, and Arizona. But who cares? They got two points out of each one of them. You can't ask more out of each game. So, yeah, I mean, if you if you end up going 6-0-0 in your last six, you're a hot team. It doesn't matter who you play. You can play the worst team in the league six times. Uh, that's the best result you can possibly get. So, yeah. Yeah. At this point, two points are two points. It boosts you the standings. It boosts your spot in the playoffs. And I'm going to use that reasoning a little bit for my team here. There's a, a little bit of bias, but I'm going to go Boston. The Bruins, 
especially like starting from right after the trade deadline. So the first game right after it, the new guys, Hall, Lazar, and Riley get no practice with the team, but Riley actually plays pretty well. Hall and Lazar less so, and they get the shootout win over Buffalo. Coyle and DeBrusque both had amazing goals in the shootout. It was beautiful. But like the new guys, they had no practice, so I don't really blame them. And then a couple of days later, they get some practice. They become better members of the team. Then against the Islanders, who've been, been pretty big before this, Tuka Rask comes back. And Taylor Hall gets his first goal as the Bruin. And then they win 4-1. to one. So I think Bruins are definitely showing stronger signs after a bit of a skid. And then in the rematch against the Islanders, Jeremy Swayman, the swag man, I like to call him. So Swagman and company get get the shootout win three to nothing, and every single one of the new guys get a point. Hall gets a goal, Lazar gets the empty net, and Riley gets an assist early on. It's a great game. And then against the Capitals, who have like the Capitals been sky high, Bruins take an early two nothing lead, but then they drop the two nothing lead. They're down three to two, and then they score three goals in a row to win six to three. It's beautiful. Well, one of them was an empty net, but. I think so. Yeah. And then one of them was beautiful. Bergeron and Krejci each knocked two goals. And honestly, we, we talked a lot about Boston's last week before we talked about the standings and playoffs after the news. So enough. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, at Boston, they're looking really, really good. Uh, especially like Taylor Hall actually scored two goals in his first three games with Boston and he scored two goals in his first 50 something games with uh, Arizona and Buffalo. Buffalo. So, yeah, Taylor Hall looking good. Lazar, nice little catalyst, nice little spark plug for that fourth line. And Mike Riley playing well, just getting shots through. It's all you need. And you have people in front tipping it or getting the rebounds. Yeah, he's been great on the assist game. Yeah. All right, so we're going to move on to our down team, or I guess our cold team of the week. Um, I'm going to go with the Philadelphia Flyers. Uh, no, did they have the worst record in their last week? No. But they were really unclutch. They needed this stretch to make the playoffs, and it did not happen for them. They went 1-3-1 and one in their last five games and have almost a 0% chance of making the playoffs now. Um, even, right, because right now, as we went over, now they're, like, pretty distanced from the playoffs. They don't have games in hand. And the Flyers just not, not playing too well recently. Kind of just falling apart. Carter Hart kind of just fell off a cliff, you know, not playing too, too hot. Lost in overtime against the Islanders yesterday. And yeah, I mean, were they, were they, did they play horribly in every game? No. But could they get the wins? Also, no. And that's what's more, most important, right? Like, there are other teams that went on like four or five game losing streaks. Like, who cares? Because um, those teams are not going to make the playoffs, anyways. The Flyers, they needed this stretch and they didn't get it. Yeah, I feel really bad for the Flyers and especially Carter Hart, considering how like bad they've been playing. Like, after the last season's playoffs, like, I saw them on the rise and I took them first seed in their division. Great team and Carter Hart winning, like winning like best goalie. But now it's just like thrown right back in my face. They've been terrible, but I think I'm going to go with the team with the worst physical record in the past games, San Jose Sharks. They're on a five game losing streak. And after the deadline, they got blown out by the ducks for nothing. It was a bad loss. And then, they go to lose again 4-1. to They barely put up a fight. And and then against a better team in the wild, they only lose by one, which is good. But then in the rematch, they lose 5-2. to two. 
It's just like, it's not good just looking at the games, looking how they play. They like, they showed a bit of hope and now it's being squashed by the Anaheim Ducks. The team below them is just, it's just like dragging them down out of the playoffs with them. It's a little sad to see. Yeah, that's, that's true. I, I, I can, I can see why I picked them, you know, just obviously long losing streak, not good for any team. Yeah. But, oh, sorry. Leo, here's the question of the week. It's been one week since the trade deadline. Lots of stuff happened. Which three teams have benefited most from their actions during the trade deadline? Let's start with our number three, your third sp- slot there, Leo. All right. And third, I got the New Jersey Devils. Um, doesn't matter. I mean, they're tanking, so they lost all three times. Great for them. Also, they got a lot out of Paul Mary and Zajac, who have somewhat underperformed on the uh, on the Islanders, right? Because Zajac, when Brock Nelson was out for a game, he played first line center, and yes, he scored, but like, I mean, otherwise he was kind of invisible. He kind of just tapped the puck in, and he didn't really do anything. And then, or not out. Sorry, they put Brock Nelson on the third line. Like, I don't know why they did that. They, whatever. Um. And then they also ended up putting Palmieri on the second line and they switched it up a little bit for their next game against Boston. They still had Zajac at first line center for some reason and then had Palmieri in the third line. But then last time they played against Philly, they put, they were like, oh, okay, this is actually really dumb. We can't have Zajac play first line center because he's just not good enough. So they put Brock Nelson at first line center, Palmieri at first line right wing and Zajac at third line center. So the Islanders not getting what they want out of Zajac, not playing that top line minutes. And then Paul Mary, who I thought was the bigger piece, they played on a lower line, which I was a little confused about. But yeah, whatever. Either way, the Devils got a huge haul for them and they're losing. So it's good for that for their future. Yeah. In my third slot, I took a team with a similar ordeal. I'm going to go with the Columbus Blue Jackets. Basically, they just opted out of the season, giving them a better pick for next year. And they traded away so many good players for so many picks. The amount of picks they have, I forget the number, but it's way more than any other team needs. So it's going to be so hard for them to not mess this up. Even if they draft a bunch of busts, there are going to be some great guys in there considering just how many picks they have. They basically just sold out this year for the future, which isn't actually a bad move considering and how tough their division has been and how tough like their team has been underneath COVID. Yeah, I, I agree. You know, Columbus, it was just not their year, especially right today. I think they're making Max Domi a healthy scratch. It could just be because he's playing poorly, but also maybe, you know, they're kind of not holding him out a bit. So, yeah, no, I agree with you. I can see why I put him at third. Yeah. Who's your number two? My number two. I think we agree on this one. We got we Austin. Um. So first they got three pieces. The big one that everyone's talking about, Taylor Hall. He is not disappointed. He's played very well. And right, because Hall was kind of a wild card coming in. They're like, well, he hasn't played that well this year. Maybe he just needs a new scenery. You know, he's in Buffalo. And that's actually exactly what he needs. He's been playing really well for Boston, really fitting in with Krejci and uh, Smith on that second line and playing really well. But also very, very underrated acquisition. Curtis Lazar Damn playing straight. extremely well on the fourth line, really that catalyst. Right, Boston had a really, really good fourth line in 2018 when they had Achari, who's playing really well in Florida, Corrali, and it was a mix between like Wagner and like Lindholm. Or, um, and uh, sorry, was, it, was like Anders Bjork? No, I'm forgetting his name. Nord- Nordstrom and Nordstrom yeah. playing really well. He went off to Anaheim. 
Right. Uh, Nord- yeah, Nordstrom. No, I think you, I don't know. No, or like Vancouver. Okay. Um. Anyways, I think I don't really remember. <laughs> anyways, um, that fourth line was electric with Lazar here. Their fourth line is playing really, really well. They're logging more minutes. They're making it easier on the other guys. And Lazar, I mean, he got rewarded. He scored empty netter. And also Mike Riley. He's really, as I said before, he's just getting the shots in. Like he's one of those players where you don't notice him, but that's a good thing, right? Because he's not making mistakes. He's making the plays he needs to make and he's getting the shots on goal. And that's all you need um, from one of those defensemen. He's playing power play one minutes actually with Grizzly out. So it's good for them. And uh, yeah, I just think they're number two. Yeah. Um, I'm going to say the exact same thing. I had a lot of those points in mind. We've clearly been watching the same games. Um, Taylor Hall has been great, but if you were to rank these guys, I might actually put Mike Riley over Taylor Hall or Curtis Lazar in this past week. Not in the future, but in this past week, I think Mike Riley has been like the gem of this, of Boston's trade deadline moves, because of just how good he's been playing. He's been a little bit invisible, but he is not afraid to shoot the puck whatsoever. He's been great. I think I'm echoing Jack and Brick right now of two Boston Bruins announcers, but I think and I think I'm going to quote Jack directly, like he, he isn't too flashy, but he's not afraid to shoot the puck. I think that's, it's really just amazing how well he's been playing. Also, he's been great on defense. He's, he's been shutting down top scorers left and right. It's been great. Yeah. Uh, I agree with you. Yeah. Second place, but you know, we're talking about how great these acquisitions have been for Boston. That's only second place. Abe, who do you have in first place? Ooh, in the first place, I think that this is the obvious choice. It's going to be really hard to disagree. One team got a player from a terrible team who scored a a goal in every single game they have played so far. Anthony Mantha from Detroit steps into Washington, surrounds himself with these amazing players, even though they do play a little dirty, and bam, he does not stop. He's He's just getting goal after goal. He's averaging a goal a game. It's perfect. Yeah, I'd have to agree with you. No disagreements here. I mean, there's no real argument. I guess you could kind of make an argument, but I really don't think it's that big of an argument. Mantha, four goals, four games. Can't ask for anything more. Fit in perfectly. He's playing really well. That's all I got to say. He's been playing beautifully, and he's making moves. I think he was one of the most underrated players in the league while he was in Detroit because he wasn't getting like these star highlights and all this. He wasn't seen as like the greatest all-star because of where he was. Same thing with Taylor Hall, but like on another level. Now he's thrust into this perfect situation. He's showing what he can do. Yeah. Well, thank you guys so much for listening. I'm Abe Lovich. He's Leo Blodner. We're Twigs on the Rocks and have a great night.